Great job as a leader, Joe. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you. <laughs> a key contributor goes on leave or a high performer moves on to another company. This can leave you and your employees picking up the pieces and scrambling to hold the operations together, all without missing a step. Not a recipe for consistency to say the least, but it begs the question, what's the best way to manage during staff shortages? This is the Culture Clinic where my co-founder, Skay and I are constantly learning from HR experts how to build a culture where people love to work. My name is Joe, I'm the co-founder here at Gusto, and today we're joined by Shelly DaCosta, an HR expert in rewards and recognition. Shelly, I'm hoping you can give us some good insight on this week's topic. Absolutely, Joe, looking forward to it. This week's topic, understaffed and overworked, managing during staffing shortages. So maybe we can kick things off, uh, Shelly. Can you tell me about an experience where you've been understaffed and how'd you manage it? My first thought is, have I ever been understaffed? Where haven't I been understaffed? <laughs> it feels like it's it's just something that happens. You know, if you spend any time in any organization, there comes that time. And whether it's understaffed because you can't get the head count in, you, you can't afford the additional people, or you're understaffed because you have vacancies that you're able to fill, it still means the same thing. You know, you're you're constantly needing to do more with less people, whether it was BlackBerry, RSA, you know, it's it's that balancing act between letting senior leadership know it's not sustainable, right? We we need to hire, we need to fill these positions. If you're a senior leader and you've got a team and you're responsible for that, or you're in human resources and you're, you know, looking at the entire organization and all these pockets of of teams and areas that are understaffed, at, you know, you're constantly working with the senior leadership team to have them fully understand that you need to hire, fill the positions. And at the same time, the other part of you is helping make it work in the meantime. Uh, you know, you pull out development opportunities for more junior staff. That was that was a really big one at, at, at BlackBerry, whether it's using your co-ops and, and giving them really big, juicy projects to work on because senior positions or other positions were vacant or constantly prioritizing the work that needs to be done negotiating those critical priorities, the goals, the objectives. It's its kind of like just an all-encompassing piece of work. And so thinking about some of those more junior staff, how do you sort of let them run without micromanaging them, right? Like they don't necessarily have the experience of the more senior person who might be leading that project if someone was in that seat. And instead, we're kind of like handing over these bigger assignments and projects for people who may not have the experience or may not be quite ready. And so how do we approach that without kind of... So, you know, and that becomes part of the problem because you've got other staff that are more senior and they want help, but they want experienced help. And you're having to say to them, I can get you this person, but it means you're going to have to train them or you're going to have to put time into doing that. You know, and then what you're selling is development opportunities for them as a leader. So I'm going to have this person report to you. Now you will have leadership experience. Now you will have training experience in bringing this person up to speed and you will have help. So it's a, it's a win-win here. So, you know, you're doing a lot of negotiating. You're doing a lot of selling uh, uh, what you're thinking about. I can clearly remember a situation where we had co-ops and this one individual, she was due to go back to school for her work term. So she was uh, 
four months working, four months back to school, four months working. And she was due for her four months back to school. And I actually talked her into staying with us for the next four months. At one point in time, I actually had, uh, you know, her parent on the phone because they were like, what? You are this person's leader and you're talking my kid into not going back to school. And it was like, no, I'm just deferring those four months because the four months of experience they're going to get with the cycle that's coming up and what you're going to be doing for us is going to be phenomenal on that their resume going down the road. It's it's just such an impactful piece of work and they will miss it if they're back in school where they're not going to get that experience right then. They can go back afterwards, but be here for this cycle, for this really critical work while we're understaffed. And it all worked out and that person's a senior leader now in in human resources and, and rewards. But, you know, so it is that balance around the, the micromanaging. Um, project management can be huge at this time, right? You even look outside your team, your department for support. Um, are there staff that have always like, you know, if you're the HR team, are there staff out there in comms, in any other areas, operations that have always wanted to work in HR? Can they come in and do a secondment, do some projects for you, et cetera? Then it, there's that win-win. You're getting help. You're getting work done. But at the same time, they're getting experience. So they may apply for that next vacancy that you've got. Yeah, you really want to ensure that the work the team is doing is value-added work, it, that it counts, right? It's not simply the tasks that they're used to. Because like I said, you're always having to negotiate all of the projects and objectives and know that you don't have as many people to do it as you used to or you want to. And so you're having to look at it and say, but what are you working on, right? So this is that piece where you don't want to micromanage, but you're saying, look, you know, you're working on this, this, and this. Those three items are not high priority right now. I get that you like doing them. I get that you're used to doing them. I get that, you know, they're a comfort level for you. Um, but does that need to be done anymore? Uh, look at automation. Uh, take a hard, long look at what needs to be done by your highly skilled paid staff and what no longer needs to be done or can be automated. It, it's hard work. It can be extremely hard, but as a as a leader and for those employees as well, they'll tell you it can also be extremely rewarding or fulfilling knowing you can get through those times and get lots of great opportunities. Yeah, a lot of what you're saying is is resonating. I mean, here at Gusto, we've seen great success hiring young bright, enthusiastic people, maybe on internship or even co-op. And we've seen them grow into like serious contributors, you know, permanent full-time positions, not just junior have grown into, you know, managers now. Um, and it's, it's so wonderful to see. And, you know, something you kind of touched on without micromanaging, you know, I think that something we've done well is really help sort of young people identify those high priority items. Right. So like helping them rank what's most important and what's least important, but then letting them run from there because it can be hard to identify like what's going to drive the business forward the most. And then once we do identify that, we can kind of focus and let them go with it. Absolutely. All they may need is a mentor, which is also another opportunity for some of your more skilled employees to get experience at mentoring somebody younger or new or less qualified. Right. So there's that that win win again, that they just need somebody to mentor uh, you know, and discuss with what are the priorities? Why do I need to do this? What can I take off my plate? How do you maintain morale when a team is understaffed and overworked? Yeah, I, I'm a big believer in transparency and open communication. 
let let the team in on it. Ask for their ideas. Um, let them know what's going on. I mean, nine times out of ten, they know. They know they've got three you know open vacancies, or they know that four of their team members were uh, let go and were not backfilling the positions, etc. But ask for their ideas, and at the same time, ensure you're taking time to celebrate rest acknowledge the work you know celebrate the losses celebrate what you've got done honor the you know the people that are leaving but acknowledge the great work that is going on even with you know more of a skeleton staff again you're doing that balancing act between taking care of the staff and yet at the same time still you know doing everything you can to get the job done um and and you want to be transparent but you also don't want to set up senior leadership or in some cases, even HR as negative, right? Like it's like, oh, you know, HR won't let me backfill that position. And oh, senior leaderships have cut, cut the budget and they're the ones letting go. You know, it's all together. It's it's really, this is, you know, our reality. And this is why this is our reality. The numbers didn't come in in Q3. This is happening this way. This is happening that way. We saw, our, you know, no other options but this. But we're hoping you can work together with us so that we can come out of this and go in a, uh, you know, but it's it's difficult. Uh, you know, I can remember a case at BlackBerry where, you know, we would have a, a huge team working on projects in the annual cycle and initiatives. And then literally two years later, we had half the size of the team based on, you know, when the numbers were really coming down. And yet it felt like we were still accomplishing almost as much as that large team had done because we were focused and driven and we really worked on engagement because we were all wanting to still see the company succeed, even though, you know, we were small in our numbers, et cetera, and we're focused and it was tough. There was still a real upbeat where we were able to keep engagement high because we knew we we're doing extraordinary things together. So we're big proponents of transparency here. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on being transparent about how long employees can expect to be understaffed and overworked. Like, do you try and time box it and say like, hey, this is our reality for the next quarter, next two quarters? Or is that setting you up for tough conversations in a quarter or two when maybe nothing's changed and maybe there's no end in sight? I'm just curious how you might approach that. I, I you don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. Uh, on that, you know, that time box. Absolutely. I think, I think transparency is about seeing the reality and the reality in a lot of those situations are, I can't promise that Q3. If Q3 numbers come in this way, then we would be able to do that. But I can't promise that Q3 numbers are going to come in that way and allow that to happen. So, you know, understand the reality and this is what we're dealing with. And you will actually been, be working with then staff that are better attuned to what's happening in the business, how the business is growing, how the business is succeeding or not succeeding, right? Um, at the same time, you want to make sure you're having those stay conversations so that they're not going, oh, wow, the way the numbers are looking, I better, you know, answer the call and, and head out the door. You're still having those conversations say, but no, 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 we have a future here and you're still a big part of that future. And, you know, let's talk about career paths. Let's talk about development opportunities, even though we're in the midst of this really tough time. You know, I think about times when people are understaffed or an organization is understaffed and people are overworked and, you know, how do you maintain morale? I really think that, well, I believe, truly believe that it's a time when great culture can carry you through. 
right? And we've worked closely with clients that have gone through these cycles where people are kind of stretched thin. And what's really worked to maintain morale is to operate transparently about the shortages and how that's going to impact folks. And then from there, I think it's really paramount to acknowledge that people are going above and beyond and really find ways to regularly recognize folks. More than ever, that's a time when people need to be recognized and appreciated and made to feel that they belong and made to feel that their leader appreciates and knows what they're doing and the organization as a whole does because, you know, they're really pulling it out together. They're, they they really are. So, yeah, transparency, appreciation, recognition, that's, you know, the whole engagement culture piece is what's going to help you. If you've built that foundation, it's certainly going to help in times like this. You mentioned belong, a feeling of belonging. What does that mean to you, Shelley? Um, that this is a place that understands me, that this is a place that I can bring my whole self to work, that this is a place that I can contribute and be recognized and appreciated for those contributions. Uh, and, and a lot of that can come through recognition. A lot of that can come through, you know, wow, my leader is seeing me. They see the work that I'm doing. They see how hard I work because they're recognizing it. Or my colleagues in a peer-to-peer recognition are seeing that how hard I worked on that project and they're high-fiving and they're acknowledging it. Uh, you know, that's it. I, I feel like I align with the cultures and values of the organization. I've seen somebody leave an organization because when budget times got tough, their social responsibility commitment, they pulled the budget dollars out of. It was one of the first things they pulled out. And that employee immediately, their whole sense was, this is not somewhere I belong. This is not, that was too important to me. And I don't want to work for an organization where that got pulled so quickly that way. And so, you know, that's that belonging piece. Do I fit here? Uh, Do I align with the vision, mission, values, all that? Again, like you said, that foundational culture. I want to ask a follow-on question. It goes a little off script here, but... uh... How do you accelerate someone's sense of belonging, right? Like sometimes we're chatting with with clients or companies out in the world, and they are talking a lot about wanting to create an environment where people belong, but it can take a long time for people to get there. And so do you, can you think of ways to, to accelerate that? I think it's a lot of it is through education with your leaders. Do your leaders realize that they in many ways are the linchpin. They are so key to how engaged an employee is in the organization and their relationship and their communications and their conversations with that employee. You know, are they, I, I once actually heard a leader saying, oh, I have to ask them how they are and how their kids are. Drives me crazy. And I was like, that person should never be a leader. Right? There's nothing more important than having that time to really care about the individual, not just what they're doing and whether they're hitting their numbers and selling what they need to sell for the organization, but who they are as a person, right? And, and, and that you actually genuinely care when you say, how was your weekend? How was your birthday? What happened? I understand it was your birthday on the weekend. Hope you had a great celebration or how are your children doing or what's happening? You know, that's just, it's so key to somebody feeling like engagement. This is an organization where I want to be. I belong. It's great stuff. And there's a study out there that actually they went and asked 
many, many people, you know, to think about the, the, their best leaders and what was it about them that made them great. And the one thing that above all else was they cared about me personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when you ever had that opportunity to choose a leader and even in the recruitment aspect, you know, you've got that leader, they're caring about you. They're saying, oh, you know, in this job, you're going to have to, you're going to have to commute. Uh, but the GO Train's a really great way to travel. Like the, you can tell that they're thinking about having you on board and they're thinking about, you know, I picked that leader because, and I never looked back because that leader continuously asked, how are you doing? How was the commute today? Was it a good thing? How's it going? Are you still happy? You made the decision. They cared. And so, you know, if there's work, some just have it. Some need to work at it. And some, it's just an awareness to have your leaders understand you know, some are too humble. They don't realize how important they can be to that engagement of that employee. Okay, when teams are understaffed, sometimes things can slip. So how do you manage expectations with leadership, customers, and other stakeholders in the situation? This is a tough one. It, it, it is a, a balancing act. You, you need to actually, you know, be as transparent as you can. Like, show your employees the staffing models. You know what's happening. Um, constantly, you're renegotiating the timelines and the deliverables. You know, being upfront always helps. So, like, okay, we can't do that this week. We're gonna have to do this. And sometimes we might have to shift and pivot. That's you know important to explain to somebody that unfortunately something they've been working on they're gonna have to put on hold and move to something else because something else has happened in the business. But explain to them what it is, not just a I say you should. Let them understand what's going on. They may have some great ideas about how it's gonna get work. Being upfront always helps. It's really difficult when you're customer facing because it's, you know, you're telling the employees, but you don't necessarily want to go out there and say to your customers, well, we have five vacant positions and we're not able to fill them. You know, you may have to compromise uh, in those kind of situations. You might have to provide incentives to, to, you know, to fill the jobs, having people come on board or incentives for people to work overtime on top of being paid overtime so that you are meeting the customer's needs. And that's often a, a difficult scenario because teams then feel disparate across the organization, right? You are not a customer facing team and you've got five vacant positions that you're not allowed to fill right now because of what's going on in the organization with the numbers, but you're seeing other teams fill the positions. Well, that's that open, honest conversation about we have to fill the positions in the customer facing roles because at the end of the day that, right, but, but have that conversation. Don't just try to, you know, sweep it under the rug and pretend it's not happening. It's really important. When we're going into a situation as a company and we know that it's good, there's going to be staffing issues. Would you suggest proactively working with team members to help them prioritize, you know, the, the, the key initiatives and the key tasks and then give them permission to say, I'm not doing these other things? Absolutely, absolutely. I worked with a, a great leader once, you know, we, we would as a team meet and, you know, here's my priorities and we're putting them all up on the board and here's the team's priorities and here's my individual priorities, goals, objectives, et cetera. And, you know, there's all the things you wanna do, there's the things you have to do, et cetera. What are you, you know, you've challenged yourself to do to, to for your performance measures this year, et cetera. But it's having that conversation where you actually have a leader that says, Shelly, I need you to take five of those things off that list because that you can't do it. It's not humanly possible. 
And we really need the focus to be on this priority. Let's discuss if the whole team does not believe that this is the priority because this is what I believe it to be, but let's keep the conversation going. And we may adjust and we may, you know, and there may be a scenario where I'm letting an employee hang on to a priority because it just is so meaningful for them to do that work as long as they understand that, you know, it's number three now as opposed to number one. But absolutely coaching, helping them do that, you know, writing the goals down, smart goals, all of those things. This is where all of that comes to fruition. And you're really challenging those tips and tricks and things that you laid out as part of your foundation so that, you know, you realize, oh, okay, so that, you know, now I see why we put those priorities in order because then those bottom three, we're not going to be able to get them done this quarter. Okay. So what can you do to incentivize employees to go above and beyond during a staff shortage. Yeah, now's the time to look at your, you know, your overall employee value proposition, your total rewards, you ramp up your recognition programs, right? Um, even even gear your recognition programs to what you need people to be doing right now, right? What a great opportunity to have contests and, and particular contests or goal achievement, et cetera, so that they can really focus on what you need them to focus on and they feel like they're all working together and they feel like they're being noticed for the work that they're be doing. Uh, you may have to look at retention or stay bonuses and 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 those kinds of discussions so that people, you know, you're you're dangling that carrot to stay to say, you know, turn down the 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 headhunter calls and stick around for a year at the end of the year this will be available for you, you know, financial, whether it's 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 shares or cash incentives or long-term incentive programs, if you have those opportunities, development opportunities, you know, have that open conversation about, I know this is going to be tough for the next six months, but at the end of the six months, we'll be able to put you into this role, or you'll be able to have the extra skill set from doing this role to take that on and, and take on some more staff or hire, what have you, depending on that individual's development plan. Okay. And so what are some common mistakes managers and leaders make when managing understaffed teams? I think one of the biggest ones is just driving teams too hard, being disrespectful of their personal life, their home life, uh, not treating them like people, like looking at it simply as, you know, almost like an equation. We have to get this done and not realizing that it's people that are in that equation. And they have lives outside of work. And we have to figure that out and see how we're going to do that. Um, sometimes not sharing the work equally amongst the team because you're going to have those people that step right up every single time. And they just seem to be able to do the work of three people. But over time, it becomes really apparent if you're only tapping them all the time to do the work of three people and others are, are not. And you're not addressing any poor performances or inequities in the team. Right. I mean, you want to address those all the time in good times and in bad, but more than ever, that's when that light will shine on that situation and make it really hard. And you'll lose those best staff because they won't feel acknowledged and they don't feel that it's fair. Um, it's it's really important to have, you know, as a leader, to have your employees back during that time. And sometimes it may mean going to senior leadership or going to senior management and renegotiating on behalf of your team or renegotiating some hard lines like boundaries. You know what I mean? Like this is the second long weekend in a row that you've asked my team to be on call for something you might need. No, 
<laughs> we're not going to do that. These guys have plans. It's a long weekend. They need to get away with their family. They need to be able to turn off their phone and not think, oh my, I better check in case Joe needs me, in case Joe wants that presentation for the board to be redone tomorrow, right? I No, I, I can just, to- right? you need to sometimes, and I've had to do that, and it's it's difficult, but literally go to a leader and say, no, my team will not be available. They will not. I need them to have this break. Let the employees know, too, that they have that break, because then you've got their back. Classic, you know. Classic Joe asking people to work. <laughs> you would never do that. That's that's an Uskos culture. That's not how you treat people. I mean, hey, look, there are times when we've got to step up and there are certain teams that have to like work over the holidays, for example, and that is tough. Absolutely acknowledge that. But, uh, you know, we try and do it in a way that, you know, it's, it's equitable and, you know, communication and transparency around the expectations because it's just a business need. Hey, we have customers that are going to need our help during these days that are holidays. But again, we look at other ways to try and make sure that uh, those people in those roles are um, getting the rest that they need and recharging, you know, doing those things that are, that are so important. So, Absolutely. It, it, it's tough times. There's, there's no easy way through some of these scenarios, uh, but it's, it's amazing if you work on the engagement and you work with the employees and you're transparent and open in your communication, it can actually be quite fulfilling when they stop and go, wow, we, we did this. We had each other's back. We, we had accomplished a great deal. You know, over time, I've evolved as a, le- as a leader. And I think that, you know, some of the things that I realize now that I didn't realize, you know, in times past is the importance of transparency, right? I, I, I think that just speaking openly about the challenges that we're facing and working collaboratively to come up with solutions is a great way to sort of work together during tough times. Like, hey, we're understaffed. Here's the challenge that we're facing. And collectively and collaboratively, you know, how can we solve this? Right? I actually, you know, an example recently is we're taking the whole team uh, up to Whistler. It's a ski resort. We're doing an offsite. For, so for four days, we're kind of out of the office, so to speak. And how are we still operating these certain functions of the business that still need to happen, right? Like people need to talk to us and we need to make sure that we're not just completely closing the lights for four days. And so uh, I brought this challenge to our um, head of client collaboration and she brought the challenge to our greater team and we came up with a bit of a, uh, a plan to have all of our team members kind of step up for an hour here and an hour there to make sure that we had coverage. Excellent. Awesome. Well, we thought it was great, but then what we did was we had one of our team members put her hand up and say like, you know what? This isn't really efficient. Like this is all I do all day and I'm going to be way more efficient. So why don't you just put me in here and here? I'll need a little bit of help over here, but then I'm going to jump in again here and here. And she really like went to bat and said like, you know what? You all don't, you're not going to do the job that I do and and you're not going to do it as efficiently. So let me, let me step up and do it. And I think that's just a great example of sort of like bringing the problem forward to the team and coming up with collaborative solutions. Yeah. Like I say, you know, employees are so smart. We just always need to be tapping into that. It's great. Great job as a leader, Joe. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you. (laughs) 
If you wanna build a culture that keeps your people engaged through good times and bad, check out Culture is the Ultimate Advantage, our free guide to turning your culture into your company's greatest strength. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to recognize someone for a job well done today. Mucho gusto.